You're listening to The Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our sermon this morning comes to us from St. Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich, Toward God. Please be seated. Well, it's all about money this morning and stuff and how you can't take it with you and how foolish it is to try and how you'll never enjoy whatever riches you have if you make a religion out of wealth, if you make an idol out of riches and stuff. Now, accumulating more and accomplishing more doesn't always guarantee that you're going to feel happier or more successful. Northwestern University did a study of Olympic medalists. and In their study, they showed that second-place silver medalists are less satisfied <clears throat> than a third-place bronze medalist. Can you guess why? Well, silver medalists tend to think about what might have been. And the bronze medalists are just satisfied they got a medal. Now, when it comes to wealth and things, Solomon is an expert. Solomon, as you know, is the son of King David. Solomon was the richest king in the history of Israel. We would say he had it all. To put it in modern terms, <clears throat> cars, houses, women, personal chefs, a wine cellar, horses, gardens, you name it, he had it. He was the Middle Eastern version of excess, of over-the-top consumption. But in the book of Ecclesiastes that he writes at the end of his life, he tells us what it's really like. His report from the lap of luxury, vanity, meaningless, emptiness, nothing, chasing after the wind, boxing the air. Solomon said, you work and you work and you work. And when you die, he said, some fool enjoys all the benefits. 
or the economic bubble bursts, or the paper profits evaporate, and all those things that you've worked so hard for, all that you plan to have, is gone. Like the wind, vanity, meaningless, emptiness. Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And this story from Luke 12 invites us to step back, to do a little life examining. This story raises for us, I believe, the fundamental question about human existence. Namely, of what does my life consist? And this text gets to this question by means of the negative. For Jesus says that life does not what tells what life does not consist of, and in doing so, gets to something near and dear to the hearts of us as Americans, our possessions. <clears throat> it begins with a man asking Jesus to arbitrate an inheritance dispute. Now, it is a reasonable question, but only if you misunderstand Jesus' mission. Jesus is not interested, first and foremost, in economic equality, but he is interested in life. And life, he says, is not about the abundance of possessions, whether you earn them or you inherit them. In fact, Jesus says, when it comes to possessions, we should guard ourselves against covetousness. Now, the Greek word that's translated as covetousness could also be translated as insatiableness. And I find that word insatiableness to be helpful because it pictures the inability of our possessions to satisfy. As agnostic philosopher Bertrand Russell said, it's preoccupation with possessions more than anything else that prevents persons from living freely and nobly. St. Francis, who gave up everything to live a life of poverty, said that in all his years of hearing people's confessions as a priest, that people confessed to him all sorts of horrible sins, such as adultery, murder, drunkenness, but never heard anyone confess the sin of covetousness. To make his point, Jesus tells the parable of the rich fool. Now, Jesus does not identify this man as an American, but he could have. In a column called Power Lines, it says that one in 11 Americans pays an average of $91 per month to use self-storage, finding a place for the material overflow of the American dream. It said the United States boasts more than 50,000 facilities and roughly 2.3 billion square feet of rentable space. In other words, the volume of self-storage units in this country could fill the Hoover Dam with old clothing, skis, and keepsakes more than 26 times. Now, the, man's, the problem was not the man's possessions. It was 
how he thought and acted with respect to those possessions. The man thought almost exclusively about what he was doing and his stuff and his well-being. He exhibited no conception of God's ownership of all things or his responsibility to use his possessions to serve others. He's reasoned, I need to build bigger barns rather than I need less stuff or I should share some of my stuff. As one author put it, the increase of worldly goods serves not as water to quench, but as fuel to increase the fire. But there's one small problem. There was this little blood vessel that was set to pop at 2 a.m. And his life would be over. And all the things that he labored over and worried about and planned would wind up in probate court. And then what? It's a tragedy that's played out all too often, isn't it? A rich man who has no joy in his riches. Or someone planning for a retirement that never comes. A plan cut short by cancer or heart attack or an accident. So then what? What's the alternative? Is there a better way to live? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. In other words, the stuff of your life will be added. First, the kingdom, the things above, the eternal things, what you will have forever thanks to Jesus. Now, to use a very Lutheran question, What does this mean? Well, it means contrary to what Joel Osteen, the prosperity preachers, tell you, the abundance of life is not having a bunch of things. But the abundance of life is being in Christ and receive the abundance of life that he alone can give. It means that your life, as you now live it, is not a matter of building bigger barns to store more grain so you can enjoy life in the future. But by living in the faith in the Son of God, who loved you and laid down his life to save you, who gives you life in an abundance you cannot even begin to imagine. It means holding our possessions, those blessings that God has given to each of us loosely with a dead open hand of faith. You see, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. Abraham had stuff. David had stuff. Solomon had stuff. He had lots of stuff. And he wrote to warn us about it. But stuff could only be held loosely. Not with this death grip. We won't enjoy it. Think about it. You buy a brand new car. It's all shiny. 
The finish is perfect. What's your biggest fear? Someone's going to ram into it with a shopping cart or open their door too hard. They're going to put a ding in that flawless finish. And so you park it way off in the corner of the parking lot somewhere. And you size up the neighbors and try not to park it next to those junky-looking cars. Someone said maybe that's why it's better to buy your cars pre-dinged. You do not know. None of us knows. The day or the hour your life and this life will end. So what's the point of worrying over your stuff like that foolish rich guy agonizing over his barns when he has less than 12 hours to live? Because that's where idolatry will get you. You see, an idol is anything you bow down and worship in your heart. It's what you fear, love, and trust above all things. And the thing about idols is they will consume you. They'll rob you of every last ounce of joy that the gifts of God can bring you. And by holding them with that death hand, dead hand of faith, trusting that even if we lose everything, we have lost nothing. We have the freedom to enjoy and to give away and to employ. Solomon said in all his wisdom, there's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? And there's the secret to it all. Apart from God, who can have enjoyment? Without God at the center, without Jesus in the middle, redeeming all things, reconciling all things, making all things new, there is no lasting enjoyment. There's just a race against decay, a futile running after the wind, an emptiness that can't be filled, no matter how many ways you indulge yourselves. And that's no way to live. And that's no way to have a life. Because life consists not in the material, but the spiritual. Not in the temporal, but the eternal. Not in the worldly goods, but in heavenly blessings. Not in what we can do for ourselves, but what God gives to each of us in Christ. And only a fool thinks otherwise. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. 
For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.